Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. Well, the Gamecocks are coming off a disappointing loss over the weekend, ending their four-game winning streak, but they'll look to get back to their winning ways this weekend when they travel out to Nashville to take on Vandy. I'm Mike Uvin. Alongside me is Nick Klaus, and look who's back, fresh off his vacation. To Amsterdam, Marcus Lattimore. Marcus, good to have you back on with us. You know, I had a great time. I really did. Thank you guys for welcoming welcoming me back. Uh, but, yeah, back to back. Back to back when I'm gone. And then on my birthday, I'm sitting on the couch, excited to watch the game. I have nothing to do. And uh, Saturday happened. It happened. Mm. I want to sit here and say happy belated birthday. Um, I'm sure there were high points of it. Um, the game itself probably wasn't one of them. But look, again, this team is five and three. Depending on what you're reading on social media this past week, depending on what you're listening to, seeing, whatever other sense that you can use to be able to gather your Gamecock information you would think the world's coming to an end to some people. Now, I've said this before, and Marcus, you understand, and Nick, you get it too, but you understand, fans, media members, when things are bad. And I wrote a story yesterday on Gamecock Central, and the analogy I used, Marcus and Nick, was you go into a kitchen, and this is a fairly new kitchen, right? Beamer's only been here for a year. Got a brand new stove. One of those fancy fridges that you can like see through, see the bottle of wine out there and everything. It's just, it's a nice, it's a nice kitchen. Nice kitchen. Yeah. But before you can even start looking at the chandelier and the fresh paint on the wall, still got that nice paint smell. You smell something. And it's just this bad, bad odor. And regardless of how nice things are in the kitchen and the progress that has been made, in the last 24 months, that smell is distracting you. That mm. smell is making everything in that room just so negative. And everything you see, you can't appreciate the good things, the upgrades that are in that kitchen. That smell right now is the offense. And I have said before, and we've said before over the last couple of weeks, that we've seen good things from this offense. And I don't want to maybe put words in your mouth. So I'll just say me personally, I've liked certain things that I've seen. I like the way they started this past game 
with a run and then a play action pass to the tight end, then going back to the run. I like some of these things, but it's the lack of consistency, the lack of rhythm, the lack of production, the lack of the offense being the reason why you're winning games. They easily could be, and I hate to do the, you know, shoulda, coulda, is and the popsicle headache scenarios, but South Carolina easily could be sitting here today three and four, or excuse me, three and five. You know, the, the win against Georgia State, two block kicks for touchdowns, right? Two 50-yard field goals by a kicker kicking in his first collegiate game. You have the kickoff return for te- against Texas A&M. The offense isn't the reason why you're winning games. It's because you have areas that have improved over those last 24 months, the defense, special teams, obviously. And I think that's the disappointing part is this team, receiver-wise, deeper talent than they had a year ago. Offensive line, is there all Americans across the board? No, but they are better than they are last year. Statistically, it's, it, it proves that, even though the last game was disappointing. Talent-wise at quarterback, I know the, st- the stats aren't there, but after musical cheers at QB last year, Rattler is a better option for them right now. Tight ends, deeper depth. Nick Muse, of course, he did a great job, but they got a deeper depth of tight ends. And then running back, yeah, you lost Kevin Harris, but Marshawn Lloyd's been pretty good. So I say all that because that's the part that's disappointing right now with the offense in this team and why the whole kitchen, you can't appreciate it because of that smell. And staying on that, when you think about that smell, it's been a smell that's been lingering over the past couple of years. And it doesn't matter if the culture changes or not. You know, which it, it that takes time. It takes time to cement the things that you want to see in a culture. It, it it It's a lingering effect from the past regime. And, and that's just that's just what it is, because it's. Beamer needs time. And, and that's to, to clean that kitchen, to, to go into to go into the foundation and try to figure out, okay, what what the real situation is. But the I think the most the most disappointing thing about Saturday last Saturday was the 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 fight. Uh yes. I, I just didn't I was surprised by that given you know given the highlights and, and the stats that I saw over the past two weeks, although I didn't watch the games. Um you know it's it, it's it's like we had fight, but I mean, that's one thing that trip that trips up a lot of teams. You know, when you come off of a back-to-back SEC wins, two big back-to-back SEC wins, it's that, that monster that waits, you know, when you're having success, you know, I think, I think every team has to come to that point, you know, where uh, are we going to sustain this dominance or are we going to, or uh, are, are, are we going to look at it as, ah, we just need to show up? And I feel like that that's just a, a an attitude that can infect the locker room throughout the week. You not you really not even notice it. Uh, you know, Coach Beamer, obviously, he said during the press conference he was watching for those things to make sure we were complacent, he wasn't creeping in. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's it's a player-led team. You know, always, you know, the best teams are player led and they hold that standard. 
You know, so, uh, I mean, again, I think what we've done over the past four games have been impressive, you know, get, get, given given the state of the program. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's – this is this is what happens with with a with a young team. And when I say young team, I mean young in uh, the like the the smell of success. You know that that they're that it's it's new. You know, so things like this are going to happen. Uh, but no, I, I don't think there's a there's a need to panic. But however, it was disappointing that not to see the fight, like just just the fight. It, it was like Missouri really came out and they wanted it. Like, they they really wanted to win that game. And, I mean, the quarterback, just his attitude, like, I think it just spread throughout the whole team. Uh, the way that he was... Uh, he was fired up. Oh, my goodness. Just the confidence that he was, he was playing with. He, he was... It spread to everybody. And, you know, that was a... You know, that 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 last drive that we'll, we'll, we'll get into it later, it was just kind of... Yeah, it, it it was disappointing to see, but we got to keep going. We got to get back up, and we got to keep rolling. Yeah, I think there's there's no reason to panic. Obviously, I mean, you're sitting at five and three, which is better than what we could be at. So, you know, it's it's all good now. But the thing, like you said, Marcus, the thing that was so disappointing was. You're five and two, ranked for the first time since 2018. The hype around South Carolina is ridiculous. The fans are excited. Everyone's into it. And you have a home game against a three and four team that is looked at as one of the worst in the conference. And you come out flatter than I've ever seen just looked like uninspired just did not look in it um and i know these the all these players have fight and they probably were fighting but it just was it was bad i mean like like i like you said missouri was fired up they were coming in they had they were on a mission and they wanted this and from the looks of it i i watched it on tv i wasn't in columbia but it looks like they wanted it more. And and we talked about it. We've talked about it a lot. I talk about it a lot is, you know, last season always having a big win and then not following it up. This season they showed they can do that. But that's kind of what I saw in that Missouri game is they've been playing well. We've had great breaks um, to get wins against Kentucky, Texas A&M. And then Missouri came and it, there was just nothing. It was flat. It was there, like like Marcus said, there wasn't a lot of fight, and that that's really what what makes five and three sting to me. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that five and three is a bad record. Five and three is fine. It's a, it's it's better than some people thought we'd be at this point. But that's what stings to me is that it was at home. It was in Willie B against a team that I know South Carolina is better than and they fell flat and it that that's something they can't have happen and they have to come out and and take care of business 
and there's all those distractions you know there was the rank being ranked for the first time everyone was like that was a curse and all these things and you know so it, it happens but that that's really what left a bad taste in my mouth from that last game you mentioned you used the word curse nick and i know we talked about this last week i mean there's so many different layers that you can look at this past week's game and we hear the word culture right that word gets thrown around so much we mentioned this before after they beat Kentucky, after they beat Texas A&M. And Marcus, you cut me off if you disagree with me. As players, when you don't know what winning looks like and you're in situations where, like against A&M, where that lead slowly starts to disappear, there's a real feeling that players can, can sense of here we go again. That same feeling that play, that fans have, oh boy, here we go again. That's a real feeling that players can experience. And I thought being able to see them get those two wins against Kentucky, a game where it wasn't like they had a huge lead, but there were times where it felt like this one's going to get, get away from us, right? And that happened against A&M too. But they were able to find ways to win. In the past, I don't know if they would have won those games. And I say past, I mean obviously recent years not going back 10 years when Marcus and Garcia and all those guys, Connor Shaw were playing. But I felt like they've been able to grow from there. Okay. And the only way that you continue to get better with that is you're in situations like that, right? Make a comparison to Clemson. They're in situations like that. They find ways to win. Yes. Because they have confidence that they're going to win. Okay. In a game like this, as you mentioned, Nick, this was another first for them. The first being that for a majority of the players on this team, unless you're a super senior, like a Brad Johnson or an Eric Douglas, this is the first time, even guys like Spencer Rattler, Austin Stockner, this is the first time they've experienced being ranked at South Carolina. So until you go out there on the field, because Beamer mentioned in the press conference after the game that he didn't feel like there was any, any you know, fat and jolly feelings going on that week at practice after being ranked when they were on the practice field, they got after it. But until you get out onto the field and those lights go on, it's different. And I'm not saying that South Carolina was not prepared because I don't think that was the case. I think Missouri was ready to go. And I think that there was a little bit, a little bit of, you know what? We've arrived. We've arrived. And I know that it's, it's, if you say that to a player, maybe they would disagree. It doesn't take, you know, half the team. All it takes is a couple guys to believe that. We talk about it in football all the time, do your 111. If a couple guys out there believe, oh, we've arrived, you know, we're ranked, you know, it's going to, everything's good now. We're five and two and could win these next three games, be eight and two, take on Tennessee. I think they did get a little, little ahead of themselves. I think they because that's it's not something that they've been used to. And, you know, we try to find any type of moral victories, which I hate. But if there's anything good now, it's like, you know what? They got that taste. And hopefully that taste drives them friggin nuts so that they get back to that point of being ranked. And they remember that just because they got that taste doesn't mean it's going to stay around forever. You have to do something kind of like being out in the wild. Right. You know, if you're a lion, you're a tiger your next meal is not guaranteed. You got to go get it done. Cause if you don't get it done, you ain't going to eat. They got that taste now. And hopefully that pisses them off. 
That's the that's the first thing on your mind right there. I love that analogy because I mean it's it, it's the only way to survive in the SEC, the wild, which which is what it is. And God, wait, Missouri, that Missouri defensive line—that's an SEC defensive line. And I don't think I don't think. We, Top 40 defensively coming into that game for a lot of st statistical categories. That's why we mentioned that word stingy last week. So I want to throw that out. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people, I don't think they were giving – offensively for them, not one of the better offenses. But defensively, stingy. And and, and you could see it. You, 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 you could see it. Uh, in every snap, I mean that. I mean they had some guys who were just some monsters out there. But I mean it's what it's what we needed, like you said. And Mike, I want to go back to what you said about that feeling of we've arrived. That it's okay to have that feeling. It's okay to have that confidence if you have the work ethic with it. Mm. You know, and I mean it. It, it can get to a point. Like you said, this is, I, it, it was kind of exciting to, to turn on the TV and besides South Carolina's name, you see that 25. Like, you, like even for me, like when I, when, when I see it, it's just like, wow, okay. This, this, we all knew Coach Beamer had the recipe. Like, I mean, we all knew he had the ingredients to become a, a great coach and lead South Carolina uh, to, quite frankly, the above, above average pack, like put it in that above average category where we're, we're, we're leaning towards right now. And, it, you know, that's that was tangible proof, you know. So, I heck, I, I even thought, you know, before the game, I mean, we definitely got this one in the bag, you know, looking at the record and, you know, looking at the you, – you, you, you look at the records and you see, okay, yeah, we can get this done, and you know, you know, even as even as fans, you know, we we have that same, uh, we have that same. All yeah, just a little bit of complacency it sets in. But how do we fight against that? How do we fight? We just got to keep working. We get hmm. it's so easy to say, you know, don't pay attention to the rankings. Don't pay, but you really can't, you know, as a player, you know, because it's that. It, particularly in the SEC, it's that one game that creeps up on you, and it was Missouri. M Missouri had no business beating us on Saturday. That that's just that's just a fact. But we uh we 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 weren't ready. I mean I mean Coach Beamer said that we got out coached, we got outplayed and uh we gotta figure out a way to come sneak out a win against Vanderbilt. Yeah, and we talked about it last episode and about how rankings don't matter. And I and I, I said I love rankings. I do. I because I am a fan. I think they're fun they're fun to track. They're if your team's in it, it's great. And here the funny thing is is since I'm a young South Carolina fan, just graduated, so before I was at the school, I never really I wasn't a fan. That was the first time South Carolina was really ranked since I've been a fan. And I will say, guys, I fully fell victim to this. <laughs> like, fully. I was, uh, I was high all week. I was like, we are 25. Like, I, seeing 25 next oh, to South man. Carolina, I was 
riding high. I felt fantastic. I was like, great, Missouri, bottom of the SEC, let's kill them. Bang, we're six and two. We have a bowl game. No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, felt- it's, a, it's like you're already – you could already envision it before it happened. Like we, oh, yeah. I saw, I saw six and two, and I saw twenty three. I saw you know, six I, and I saw two, and then I that. saw Vandy after that, and I saw seven and two. Oh. <laughs> I was, I was like, this is awesome. And so I felt completely. Nick was booking his. Nick was booking his hotel down to Tampa. I know they don't call it the. I am definitely. Ball. I can promise. I was this not the only ball. one who was looking at this schedule. Like, wow, <laughs> we are going to be good. Bowl. I don't even know what the heck they call it in, in, in the 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 Outback Bowl anymore. But Nick was uh, ready, man. But Nick was ready to go down there. I down there, I was I was just like fantastic. South Carolina could not be in a better spot right now. And I don't think they, they I don't think they could have. I think this was the best spot they could have been in, but they fell flat. And that and that's the thing where you saw it on Twitter. I even said it because I know better. Like this is a this is an upset alert game. This is a scary game. This mm. they're ranked for the first time. Missouri has beaten them the last three times they've played. Like this is this is a game that's gonna that can get them. But it, no, none of us cared. We all just um thought South Carolina would run over them. And then what happened is Missouri 23 to 10. So moral of that story is I'm not going to be taking the rankings as seriously if South Carolina ever gets back into them. Um, But also, you know, like Marcus said, and Mike, I think you said too, you know, they got a taste of that and they're still five and three. They're still a good football team. The thing is that this is what happened last year, too, is you play a great game and you're so up on that. And then you go and play a bad game and fans and players and it feels like the whole, you know, Gamecock, Twitter, everyone is so down. Like, that's the thing is I feel like there's never a middle ground. You're on Twitter and either people hate everyone and want Satterfield fired and all this stuff, or they think everything's great, we're ranked, we're whatever. And they put pictures of you up in like restaurants like Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just all it's just all or nothing. And I think this is still a good season, five and three, one win away from a bowl game. But the big thing here is just take care of Vandy. Show last game was a fluke. You came out flat. You didn't play well. Well, go into Tennessee. Go to Tennessee. Go to Vandy and beat the crap out of them and show them that, you know, that game was a misstep. We can do this. This is who we really are. You got to show. We have to see that execution, which we've talked about so many times. Um, I'll tell you what. It's go- it's- <clears throat> Twitter's going to look a look. Uh, we we need to go up to Vandy. We need to take care of business. But also, Twitter's, Twitter's going to look a lot worse if Jaheim Bell doesn't get the ball. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, look, I, I feel like it's been – it's been, you know, beating a dead horse, talking about it over and over, but we haven't had an opportunity to talk to you about it, Marcus. I've shed my opinion – on why I think certain things are going on and try to make sense of it. That's why I always say make sense of, because we're not going to know exactly what's going on. 
Uh, because even if you ask Beamer point blank, and he, I think he, he understands. I'm glad to Ben Portnoy of the state newspaper asked the question that it shouldn't have took 10 questions in. I love my colleagues down in South Carolina. Um, it's not going to be like it is up in Boston where people are going to be peppering Belichick. To say, I get that. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think it needs to be that right now. I think there's some fans and you know, the Gamecock fan base that would have liked to see that at times. I don't think it's at that point yet, but where I'm going with all this is this. Okay. After the game, And even, let's go back. Let's go back to last Wednesday. And I'm paraphrasing, but Marcus Satterfield said that if it was up to him, he would get Jaheim the ball, you know, a thousand times. Okay? Okay. Fast forward now to after the game on Saturday. Shane Beamer talking. And it may have been actually on, actually, well, it was Saturday. And Beamer mentioned that Jaheim is healthy, and it's not for disciplinary reasons. Then we keep moving ahead. Okay. Gamecock Central, we put how many snaps players take each week, offensively and defensively. Nine snaps. Nine snaps for Jaheim Bell. We hear, I believe it was Sunday during the teleconference with Beamer, and then he talked about it a little bit on Tuesday, that the reason why Jaheim wasn't on the field as much, again, not health, not disciplinary, but because of personnel packages. So instantly, Marcus, right? We can sit here, and I, and I know there's going to be a lot of fans that aren't going to agree with things, okay? And I'm not saying that they should agree. But if that's what we're being told, I know there's going to be a lot of people that will hear that, and that's not enough for them. It's not enough for me. I want to know the ins and outs of it. As a former player, this is what went through my mind. I want you to tell me what you think. We don't have to necessarily agree. But the first thing I think of is when I hear that, And again, I'm not saying I agree with what they've been doing from an offensive standpoint. If it's personnel packages, if that's the reason why. First thing I think of is they're probably trying to add an extra tight end to block on certain plays. And maybe they feel like Jaheim does not give them the best look, right? We see Nate Atkins out there a little bit more. He had a lot more snaps these last couple of weeks. Why? It's one of the best blocking tight ends they have. Austin Stogner, of course, has been out there. So again, I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I'm trying to help people understand and make sense of it. Because if we explain it and then people are like, okay, I can see that, they're still going to be upset. That's fine. But let's try to make sense. So do you think when you hear personnel packages, am I on to something or is there something probably a little bit more, Marcus, that that we're not putting together? There, I watch uh, NFL football every Sunday. And there are a lot of tight ends that don't block. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of tight ends that line up in the slot. They line up on the line and they find a way to get them the ball because they're the best player on the field. Uh, Jaheen Bell is usually the best player on the field maybe he's not technically as sound as Nate Atkins and Austin Stogner when it comes to the blocking, but who cares? Mm-hmm. I, I, I sure don't care. And I he agree. Put, put the ball in his hand. Uh, it, it's, it, it's just that simple. You know, I mean, when the best, play, the best player doesn't have to block. I mean, that that's really just how I see it. And, you know, if he is, 
you know, what can we do? How can we find a way to fit him in these personnel packages? How can we create a package for him? You know, we do we do the we we do the 13 personnel and he's at fullback and we give him a handoff. Yeah, that that's all good and good and well, but him him inside, I mean, he's so limited. He's limited. Put him outside. Give, give give him a screen. Give him a give him a slant. Let him let him use that big body in the hands that he has to cr- create plays. I he's think a, we all he's agree a playmaker. with that. I think mm-hmm. we all agree with that. But is there when you see that? And again, I don't agree with it. I think we 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 all don't agree with it. But do you think that's probably it? when you hear personnel package? Right. I know you were a coach. At you know at Heathwood, you've been doing it at, at obviously at Lewis and Clark, you know your time at South Carolina, just trying to make sense of it to try to give people a re is again I'm not saying you agree with it, but when you hear that there's some fans that probably are asking still what that means because Beamer he gave the answer where it was like well you know we want to be able to get this guy in the field that guy in the field we're not going to get everyone on the field well again like you said. When you have a guy as talented as Jaheim Bell, he should be on the field almost every friggin' snap, right? And I think there was 57 offensive snaps, which is way too low, in my opinion, um, for what the offense should be doing. But that's another story for another day. He should be on the field for about 40-something snaps at least. High, mid-40s, upper 40s. So I, that's that's the only thing I could think of, is that they're trying to do things offensively to combat things. I don't know if they feel like it it helps Rattler out. But at the end of the day... If that is the case, you need to take two steps back and ask yourself, okay, if this is what we're trying to do to make up for this, what can we do, though, to get Shaheem on the field still and still be able to do this? That's why you get paid if you're an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. you know, $900,000. A lot more than <laughs> <laughs> that. They get paid to maximize the talent that they have. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, it, it's it, I know there's so many other factors that, that play a part into play calling. You know, there's there's situations in the game. Uh, there's, you know, offensive line woes at time. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's certain, you know, defenses that you didn't expect that maybe you wanted to put them in. But golly, I mean, it's I, I, I just don't I, I don't. I, I agree, yes, that, you know, those personnel packages are, are probably a little bit better for what we want to do in the run game. You know, and Marshawn Lloyd, he's dynamic. He's explosive. Uh, but, you know, Marshawn Lloyd was, was you know, you know, nursing a, a, a contusion, a, a, a quad contusion. So that's even more. That's even more reason to get Jaheim Bell the ball. I mean, in my opinion, you know, so, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I, we, we, we got to find a way mm-hmm. we got to find a way to get zero the ball. And that's just, that's just what it is. Um, it, and it, you know, if we don't, I mean, what, I think we're hurting ourselves, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple to me. I, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it as complicated. As as a, find a way, just find just find a way like we did with Debo. Mm-hmm. F- find a way. You find a way to put the ball in his hands. He's going to make. Don't worry about anything else. Just get it to him. I mean, it's, he's just that type of guy. 
And when you have that type of guy, we're missing out on points. <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of my mindset on it because for the past couple of weeks, I've, you know, we've talked about Jaheim Bell not getting the ball, but we've also kind of, we've been like, you know, other players have to get him the ball and he's got to be open. And so, you know, we're kind of seeing both sides of it. At this point, I don't get it. Like, I, I really don't. Because you're seeing every other press conference thing be like, Marcus Satterfield's like, I, if I could give him the ball a thousand times, I would. And then you're also seeing answers from other players like, oh, that who, who decides who gets the ball? Oh, that's up to the offensive coordinator. So whose choice is it to give Jaheim the ball? <laughs> like, whose choice is it? Who's the one? If it's not Marcus Satterfield, Who's the guy who calls decision? our plays, and Beamer's like, no, like we're doing it for different things. Where it's not injury or anything. Like, what is it? And whose My- whose decision is it? Nick, there, there's, there's a, there's a lot in that. That there, the the fact that you bring that up, all right, the 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 back and forth. There's a lot of things that you could read into. Yeah. That 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 kind of, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to make any assumptions, Jones. but that there's a lot that you can point to when when things are back and forth like that, you know, uh, uh, of of at least uh, future, like what like what what's 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 uh, imminent in the future. But I'm not I'm not making any assumptions mm-hmm. uh, towards that. It, it's just. When there's a lot of, you know, he they say he says this, they say that, he says that. I, nobody's on the same page when it yeah. comes to that. It, it's it it's kind of obvious at this point mm-hmm. to me, you know. And, and you know, that's not something I was going to bring up because heck, I think Coach Satterfield he's done, you know, for the 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 time that he's been there, he's done he's done a good job. It's yeah. just. What's happening, now, <laughs> what, what's happening now? What's happening now? It's it's the, just the, getting the, ridiculous. Like, yeah, like, it, like that. I I'm not trying to hate on Satterfield. I actually I past couple of weeks I'm one of the people who you know like pump your brakes. Like it's he doesn't need to be fired. I don't think he's gonna be fired this season. It seems like we're riding with Satterfield. Mm-hmm. But it's just at this point we're talking so often about the Jaheim Bell getting the ball thing. And no one has an answer. No one has a reason. No, I mean, we talked about the personnel packages, but change them. <laughs> Make a different play. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I get it. I'm not a football coach. I know I'm wasn't a player, but it seems like there's a guy who has the power to make all of these decisions, and he's not. And then he's saying, if I could, I would. Who's stopping you? Well, well I, yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. Like that's what, that what means. I don't get. I don't, I don't know what that means. If I could, and I would. That doesn't it's make just sense. starting to get. It's starting to get really frustrating. For everyone wants to see Jaheim Bell get the ball. Even Jaheim Bell has said he's frustrated. Hmm. It's like, all right, guys, you are seeing an obvious missed opportunity here. Like I've never, I, I don't know if I've seen. 
this talented, this type of talented player just mis- misused or not used the way he hasn't been. And I, it's, it's just, it's getting ridiculous at this point. And I'm not even saying, I'm not even upset with the play right now. This is just the back and forth of who's, who's, whose responsibility is it then? If, it, if you're going to say, I can't get it to him, or I wish I could, who makes that choice? Because whoever does, make the choice <laughs> and start getting him the ball. Forgive us, coaches. That's our passion talking. <laughs> That's just our passion talking, coaches. And look, I think people get it. I think Beamer understands. I think Marcus Satterfield understands. Beamer won in front of the cameras on Tuesday. I think he mentioned as he was walking into the room, Juice Wells was leaving. And I think Beamer mentioned that Juice said, man, I don't know how you do it. And he's like, well, I got to go out and answer some real tough questions for the next 30 minutes. Now, um, he took him. He took him. Um, I say all that because, look, the reality is, is this. It is just so obvious. Again, going back to that analogy with the kitchen. I don't know why, why I'm just on an analogy roll trying to think of Keep analogies. them coming. Keep them rolling. Well, and I've been using this analogy, Marcus. Beamer said that they're not making any changes with the offensive coordinator, which does not surprise me at all based on where we are in the season. Now, now, if you ask me, I truly believe South Carolina is going to try to roll ride, ride this out for the remainder of the season, the regular season, and then have that meeting like they would at the end of any season after the year. And, yeah, they could part ways after the end of the regular season before the bowl game. That happens sometimes, especially now when you know early signing day is a factor. That wasn't an issue a couple of years ago. Now that's something you got to think about that first week, that first Wednesday in December. So I say all these things because unless South Carolina lays an absolute egg against Vandy, and not just an egg as a team and lose, but the offense replicates what they did the other night. I can't see an offensive change going on. Okay. And I'm just, and there's people that are going to continue to yell at the clouds and tweet this, fire that person. It's not going to happen. Unless that happens tomorrow night or Saturday night, it's not going to happen. So if you want to do that, have fun. It's kind of like when I, when my dad would say when I was a little kid watching a football game and I'd be yelling at the TV, he'd be like, yell louder. Maybe they'll hear you, you know, and nothing's going to happen. Okay. Nothing's going to happen. I will say this though. And this is the analogy that I was going to bring up that I have been using. Like being in a relationship, when you go into a relationship, there's things that you will see that the other person brings to the table that are good. But after a period of time, you might realize that you guys might not be the best fit for each other right now. Mm. And I think that's where South Carolina is right now. I think Marcus Satterfield, and it goes without saying that I think he's a good person. I mean, that goes without saying, right? I mean, that thing shouldn't even be mentioned. Just like with Will Muschamp, he was a good person. Like these things about people, okay? Unless they're an absolute scumbag, I will say that they are an absolute scumbag. These guys aren't scumbags. But I think he brings a lot of good things to the table from a football standpoint. I think he has a really high football IQ. I think he is trying to do things from an offensive standpoint where you can look at it and be like, okay, I see why he's trying to do it. It's just not working. It's just not working.
So again, I don't know if anything's kind of like, again with that relationship analogy. I don't know if there's anything in this relationship where it can be saved. I don't know if it's kind of like a sorry, Tommy, uh, a, a Brady Giselle situation where it's just run its course and there's nothing you can do to save it. Sorry, Tommy, you brought me so much joy in my life. That was classic. That was- um, but at the same time, too, if he does find a way to string off four games in a row and it has like the best off production that we I just don't see it happening and maybe they have a good game against Vandy maybe they find a way to get the ball to Jaheim Bell which as I'm writing this morning for my quick slants piece this week don't force it to Jaheim you don't think everything that's being said in Columbia Vandy's not reading and hearing about it I mean my god don't do what I like to refer to as the to carry on joiner at quarterback situation mm. not talking about the Duke's Mayo Bowl I'm talking pre-Duke's Mayo Bowl. Anytime he would go in at quarterback, what would happen? You knew it was going to be a run. You knew it was. Just bring everyone in the freaking box because they wouldn't let him throw the ball. So don't do something where it's so friggin' obvious that you're going to be forcing the ball to Jaheim this weekend. Get him the ball. Get him the ball. Get him on the field. But don't force it. That would be a good first step. Be yourself. I mean, I don't want to see first play of the game. First three plays, screen, 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 just keep throwing it to him. I mean, you know, so again, I don't know what South Carolina can do to salvage this relationship between, and I hate, you know, it's Marcus Satterfield, right? You just say the OC, but because after these next two weeks, you have to play Tennessee, who defensively is not that great. They're not that great. Pass defense is one of the worst. I believe they're fifth or seventh worst pass defense in the country. So you have that, but then you got to go take on Clemson. And I'm sorry. I know Gamecock fans don't want to hear it. I don't see it happening this year. And if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to admit it. I just don't see it. So I don't know how, if the offense just hasn't been clicking right now, why anyone should believe or feel that it will be this, you know, 2000s version of the greatest show on turf like the Rams, and they're going to put up 30, 40 points a week to close out the regular season, knowing knowing that you still have two games against teams who Tennessee could be – I know right now from a college football playoff ranking, they could be the number one team if they beat this week in Georgia. And then Clemson, they could be a top three team by the time you play them. I'm sorry, I just – I don't know what they can do to salvage this relationship between OC and, and team just for the future. That's a good analogy. Thank you. It, it is a it is a relationship. I don't it, know if I have it, any more analogies though. So I think I need, I, we're gonna need one more before this show wraps up. But uh, that it's a relationship. It, that that's what it is, and there's like you said there's a lot of things that he sees that that he does well that matches our personnel but there's a lot of things in my opinion just in my opinion that don't match our personnel you know i think we have a lot of one one thing that is really just jumped off the screen every game is the amount of playmakers that we have and when I say playmakers, I'm talking about like dynamic guys. Mm-hmm. Like you get Amarion Brown in space, which hasn't been often, but the, those little quick flashes of when we do throw him a screen, 
This dude can take it 70. Marshawn Lynch, he can take it 70. Juice Wells, obviously, he's just – he's different. And then Jaheim Bell, like, we got four legit guys who can turn the game upside down in one play. What do you do with guys like that? You know? Like, I, I feel like – I feel like you, you, you have to see the game from that perspective. What can you do with – and it's not being maximized right now. That's just my opinion. Again, I'm not coaching. I'm not an SEC coach. I hadn't put the hours in that Coach Satterfield has in watching film against all these different teams and coming up with great game plans. I'm not that dude. I get it. But from a player, coach, someone who watches the game from from, from a – from like a feel, like I like I'm, I'm watching it from a sense of like feeling the game. We're not maximizing it, and Coach Beamer does not have a real good poker face. If there's one thing I know about Coach Beamer, he's true. He is honest. He is honest, and when he gets questions about that situation, it, it, th- th- there's a there's a different. There's different facial expressions that come up. There's a there's a scrunch in the there's a scrunch in the forehead. There's a there's a, there's something that's just not right when those questions come up. And um yeah, it I don't see it happening. Anything, any changes offensively, maybe not even in the next year, but there's gonna be some changes. Really? There's so gonna can, be you, you think can, he could stay after this year? I think I think there's going to be if if he does there's going to be a lot of conversations about okay, how do we work how does this work? How can we make this work? Mm-hmm. Uh because I mean quite frankly, he hired him and he believed in him for a reason. Like he hired him because he had the capability to do to do the job the way Coach Beamer wanted it done. So I still think there's a possibility that he stays, but man, there's gonna be there's gonna be some conversations about how mm-hmm. how how can you make this work? Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it obviously that relationship is 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 not well right now. Mm-hmm. It's not on good terms. Nick, real quick before you get into that, I do want to throw this out there because I thought that was interesting that Marcus brought up, and I don't know if this changes things, Marcus. But for Satterfield, his contract will expire at the end of this year. I don't know if that changes your thought process on that, but I'm just because I think because there ha- I ha- huh. we haven't heard too many people. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, that expect to be back next season because he could, you know, there there could there could be something that Beamer says. You know what? I know why this is why it wasn't working, and they had that end of the year meeting, and he comes back. But I don't know if the contract has any impact on you, Marcus. Now, yeah, that changes things. Okay, just want to make sure that you were aware of it. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's that's a that's a yeah, that's an important detail. Because if he had um, one year left, then they might just ride it out. Mm-hmm. But he's they're not going to write up a new one. They're not going to renew it. I mean, unless like unless he goes crazy, and we beat Tennessee and Clemson. But like, I don't hey, know. hey. <laughs> I'd bring him back if that happens. So 
No, you. It's still again. South Carolina could go out there, put forty plus points up these next four games, win out, and there would still be people that wouldn't be thrilled. Um, I know Marcus got to get going real quick. I'll just ask. Let's see. Just looking at, I'll, I'll try to ask at least one question from um, ask Marcus questions this week. I know we had some. Um, this comes from Chair Force Cock. Chair Force Cock. They asked a couple, but I will just use one. In your opinion, which of the two made Spurrier more successful with his offense as your coach, the players or his plays? We had really good players, but Coach Spurrier, Coach Spurrier had had that. It's that element. In my opinion, I think that we're missing. He f- he didn't always call plays off of analysis. He 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 called plays off of okay, the defensive line they're they're huffing and puffing right now, or the 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 safeties are out of he's on he's out of he's out of position, or he he called plays off of feel like he. he he really felt the game a, a a good bit, you know. I mean, you you look back at his days at Florida. He he was using high tempo before anybody was anybody even thought of high tempo. Like when it came to because he knew the speed that he had, and he would use like I think that's a hallmark of his whole career. It's just his ability to feel his players and feel the defense. Like he was. He was, he he, pretty much was could have been on the field with us the way he saw the game. Um, both, we had good players, but man, he 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 put us in great positions. I will never forget what Co- Coach Ellis Johnson told me about Coach Spurrier, who was his defensive coordinator from two thousand seven to two thousand. Uh, at least five years at Carolina. He said, Coach Spurrier is the best at putting his best players, figuring out a way to put his best players on the defense's worst players. That, that, that's what, that, that's something I'll never get Coach John. And it, and it, and it's so true. It's so true. Now, there's a famous picture of Alshon Jeffrey you know, jumping over Drake or Patrick at, at Alabama, which was not their worst player, but Alshon could do that against watch. anybody. Uh, I can against anybody. So, mm. well, Marcus, we appreciate. It. I know you got to get going. We'll wrap things up though with Nick on the other side. Marcus, appreciate y'all. Yes, hey, sir. Happy belated birthday, Marcus. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Nick. Nick, I know you. Uh, we kind of hopped around there a little bit. Didn't have a chance to get over to you with some of those thoughts. Just thinking, uh, thinking about some of the things Marcus had to say. Yeah, I mean, one when when he first answered that question, I really thought he was just going to say players. One because he is a player, <laughs> and two, and they were just stacked. But it, he made a lot of sense, and I think those great teams. It is both. I mean, like you look at Saban and Kirby Smart and the great coaches right now, um, they have great players, but I think they also are very, very good at putting them in good positions. 
And that's what Spurrier was able to do. That's why we were a top team in the country. Um, so uh, that's kind of my thoughts on that. But for Satterfield, anyone who comes up and says, we need to fire him, we need to fire him right now, we need to fire him right now, I don't think it's going to happen. He has one year on his contract. What are they going to do? Just get a whole new playbook right now, eight games in? Well, like, what people are going to argue to that, Nick, and again, I agree with you. What they're going to say is, well, why don't you let Freddie Kitchens call the plays? Why don't you do this and that? At the end of the day, you're going to do what you feel like is going to be in the best interest of the team. And if you feel like having the guy that has implemented a playbook, who knows that playbook the best, and have him run it, then you're going to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Freddie Kitchens has had a long, 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 long list of success. And I know it's real easy to be like, whoa, look what he did at the NFL threats. If you if if that's all you say, then number one, you don't know who Freddie Kitchens is, and you don't really know football. Mm-hmm. You really don't know football. This is a guy that was an absolute stud coming out of the state of Alabama, was Mr. Football, played at Alabama, and he understands the game in a way that is through the eyes of a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he's coached multiple positions too. But I say yeah. that because, yes, Freddie has a very unique skill set. The question is, though, with Freddie, what is Freddie's future in South Carolina going to be after this year? Now, I've said this in the past, and I've kind of downplayed it. Um, I'll bring it up here a little bit more because I think some people know about it now, and if you don't, but maybe Freddie does want to stick around in South Carolina. His daughter is a freshman, I believe, at South Carolina now. She just enrolled this past year. So the reason I'm sharing that, because typically I wouldn't involve family stuff, right? But I bring that up because if I were going to, you know, Deion Sanders, for example, Coach Prime. I know a lot of people are connecting him with different jobs, right? Auburn, this and that. Maybe, maybe. He wants to be able to finish out coaching his his children. Shiloh, of course, yeah. was over here at USC. Still has a couple of years of eligibility left. Maybe he just wants to stay at Jackson State uh, and coach them out. And then once they finish, move on. So, again, I don't know what's going through Freddie's mind. I don't know what's going through Shane Beamer's mind. But if Freddie wants to stay in South Carolina, it's great. But the second question is after that, after would you, do you want to stay in South Carolina is, okay, what's your role going to be? Because I can't see it continuing to be a senior advisor, analyst. Mm-hmm. Typically, typically a position like that for a guy like Freddie, for a guy like Freddie, he'll be in that position for maybe a year or two. Now, I'm not saying there aren't rare cases where people are in positions longer than two years, but that's a position that usually a person holds for just a year. Sometimes two. Sometimes rarely three. Like so a year and moves on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, if Freddie is going to be on this staff next year, okay, I can't see it being in that advisor role. I can't see it being as an analyst. And what would make sense based on his resume would be offensive coordinator. Now, again, that's not saying that I know anything um, of what's going on right now in that building 
in this was a plan. I think when Freddie was brought onto the staff this offseason, I think a lot of us kind of looked at him and was like, okay, I could see that being a possibility if things don't work out from an offensive coordinator standpoint this year with Marcus Satterfield. But again, there's so many dominoes that fall when it comes to coaching, right? You look at what's going on in college football. Auburn just fired their coach. We also had Nebraska early in the year, fired their coach. Charlotte's fired their coach. And we're, we could go down the list because there's going to be multiple coaches that will continue to get fired. And then you look at the NFL. There's going to be coaches in the NFL that get fired. That really screws things up. So I bring all this up because as we sit here today, and these are conversations I've had with Shane Beamer. I think we've had him at, during press conferences. I think I've asked him to the side sometimes too about it. But these are things as a coach that you're constantly thinking about. Because you might have a situation right now, Nick, where you're like, you know what? Freddie's going to be my guy. We're going to play things out with Sat. If Sat does well, okay. But regardless, we're going to have that end of the year meeting. But if he mm -hmm. doesn't, if he doesn't, in my mind, I'm thinking about Freddie. It's not just that, though. These coaches are thinking, all right, that's my plan A. This is plan B, C, D. Sometimes even D. When coaches go in to interview, they have their ABC. They have their ABC. Sometimes they have D, and that's options for positions. They present that when they're doing their job interview. That's what Beamer did with Ray Tanner and Chance Miller. But they constantly have that throughout the year, and they're constantly moving it around. So that ABCD, you don't know what that list could look like in the next couple of weeks because if coaches continue to get fired. So I'm just bringing this up because I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. If South Carolina does go in a different direction with their OC, it's real easy to be like, all right, you want to move on from SAP. Well, who are you going to bring in? And I'm not saying that means that South Carolina shouldn't move on. It's just that if you start throwing out names right now, you have no idea if that they, they might be in the mix to be a name a head coach in a couple of weeks mm -hmm. or a position that's not even open. Yeah. It's how crazy it is. It's like, it's too soon to tell. It's a, it's stuff you can't speculate right now. And like, and like I said, I think, I think a hundred percent like you do Satterfield will finish out the year. I think after this year, unless he amazes us, probably not. But the thing is, I am optimistic for who they get after Satterfield. If you know, he does not stay with South Carolina and it, I'm not optimistic because of who's available. I'm more optimistic because South Carolina obviously has had a weak offense this year. But like last year, they still have managed to perform better than people expect. I feel like a lot of coaches or potential offensive coordinators see what Beamer's done, see the positivity, the culture change, that, that what's happening here. And I think a lot of people want to be a part of it or will be interested to be a part of it and make it better. And so I think they'll have plenty of, I'll think they'll have options for offensive coordinators. Um, and hopefully one of those works out, whether it's, you know, kitchens, whoever, I don't care. It's just, hopefully it's someone who puts points on the board. Um, that's all we want as fans and everything. So, uh, um, so yeah, I mean, 
final final comments before we wrap up from me but uh you know last week was was one of the most frustrating games i think i've ever watched as a south carolina fan it was very very frustrating for the players i'm sure for the coaches i'm sure for fans i know it was um they got going to vandy and literally just take care of business take care of business and do uh do what they gotta do, get a win, hopefully crush them, and then we'll worry about all the coaching stuff later. Right now, Satterfield is the offensive coordinator. He's what we got. He is a part of South Carolina. He is a gamecock. And so we're gonna support him and cheer for him as much as as hard as we can against Vandy and the rest of the season. But we'll figure out what happens after that later. No question about it. And I think look. It's it's there's going to be people that will listen to this. And there's obviously been other shows we've had this week. We did it with Gamecock Central, uh, GC Live, Talking Tuesday Nights. We did a three hour show. I think it was like two hours, 50 something minutes. We were cruising. Um, and then we also had Savelle Newton come on for a mix in a water Monday. And the reason I did that is because, look, again, and I've said this before, I said it in the post on Twitter. When I shed, when I sheared the interview that we did, I don't always agree with what Savelle says, but at the same time, too, he is a former player, and I thought it would it would be a good opportunity to at least have him come on. And a lot of the things he said, I think people were surprised how he answered some of those questions. I mean, yeah, bottom line is he wants to see the offense do better. I don't think that's any different from the way that Marcus said it. Now, what he says on Twitter afterwards or things that I can't control that. It's not my mm-hmm. responsibility. But when he was on, very similar to how Marcus said things. So I say that because, look, it's hard not to sit here and talk about the offense. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to ignore it. We're not going to ignore it. At the same time, too, at the same time, too, I'm not going to sit here and say the world's coming to an end because I think there's a lot of people that are looking at this and being like, you know, oh, this team will be lucky to become bowl eligible. Will you stop it? Stop it. OK, bottom line is this. They're five and three. OK, they still have one of the best special teams unit in the country. Also, RIP to the great Ray guy who passed away on Thursday and defensively. While their pass defense was better statistically last season, ranked top 10 of the country, they're much better still compared to where they were two years ago. I believe they're uh, ranked in the 40s, I think, uh, something like that. So I bring these things up because there are some good things, and that's actually a story that I did yesterday in Gamecock Center if you want to check that out. There's been good young players, Nicky Minwari, DQ Smith, we're seeing also Marshawn Lloyd come back from an ACL injury where, look, I think people had hopes that he would do well, but he is second in the SEC in total touchdowns, and he's also second in the conference for rushing touchdowns. Special teams, again, we've seen what special teams have done. Kay Kroger, phenomenal season. Just this week, talk about Ray Guy, fourth time being named to Ray's eight list. And – 
We're seeing Mitch Jeter come on, replace an absolute legend in Parker White. We're seeing guys like Trayvon Kenyon step up, make an impact blocking kicks. And I know he's not the only one that's blocked a couple kicks this year. There are some good things going on. But, 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 the best way to cure this whole past week, because it's a week-to-week process. It's what it is. It's week-to-week. You go out there and win. Is it going to solve everything? No. But you'll be able to get to six wins. And like we've said, Mark, shoot, Nick, we said this a couple weeks ago. What people need to remember is, and I may have said this just last week with you, it's not about this season. It's about the future. It's about the future. Mm -hmm. You get this win, you're helping your future because you get an additional 15 practices at the end of the year that those younger players can take advantage of. And there's going to be a lot of talented guys that aren't going to be back next year Mm -hmm. because they're going to be graduating. There's going to be talented guys that have the option to come back next year, and maybe they choose not to. And the reason I say that is because super seniors, this whole COVID year, will there be guys that transfer? There's guys that transfer every year. That's Mm -hmm. part of the game now. But you're also going to be adding a lot of talented guys from a recruiting standpoint, you need to do whatever you can to continue to have this ship heading in the right direction so that you can go back from a recruiting standpoint, like we talked about maybe just last week or two weeks ago. It's not just about putting sunglasses on, dancing around and saying this is what we're going to do. It's being able to physically show you what we're doing mm-hmm. and that it can be accomplished at South Carolina. They're not there yet to compete for an SEC East title. They're not. And I know that frustrates people because they see what's going on with Tennessee. Sorry. Just we aren't Tennessee. Not, not Tennessee. You're not Tennessee. That's You're not goes. Tennessee. And that's not to say that you can't get to a level like that. But even Marcus has talked about it in the past. Tennessee has a winning tradition. They have a winning culture, winning background. They've done it before. South Carolina hasn't. They've had good years. They've had good good spans. They don't have the winning culture. That's why you've seen multiple coaches come in here. And not saying that Tennessee didn't, but you know what I'm trying to get at. They have a winning culture to lean back on and say, you know what? It's been done here before. South Carolina, they had a good couple years. That's what you're pointing to right now. And once you can get back to that, then you can talk about being able to. And I know that this is things that, that, that Gamecock fans don't want to hear, but it's just the reality of it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to sit here and blow friggin' smoke up your ass and tell you how great everything is. It's not. It's not. But it's not as bad as some people have things made out to be right now based mm-hmm. on what people are saying on social media or wherever the case may be. They win this week. Are all the problems solved? Even if Satterfield goes out there and the offense puts up 40, 50 points? No. You'll still hear stuff. Oh, it's a fluke. Watch. Okay? Who cares? Just go out there and freaking win this weekend. That's all you got to do. That's all that matters. That was my little rant. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that before. No, I'm good. Just beat Vandy. That's it. (laughs) Just beat Vandy. And if you're going out to Nashville, be sure to go check out the Never Never Bar. Our good friend Patrick Davis. That's the bar that he owns. Phenomenal bar. I tell people it gives me vibes of bourbon, 
and Steel Hands. Like if Bourbon oh, yeah. and Steel Hands kind of had a bar together and it had like a baby, like that's what that bar would be like. It's like at this classy kind of feel um, on the inside of it. That new section of bourbon mm-hmm. is what I would say, you know, it's like that. And then that has like a garage door. I believe it's a garage door that slides up and you kind of get that outside patio. So that's where I get that steel hands that's kind cool. of vibe. So very neat bar. He's got his drink over there. Whiskey jam. Highly recommend checking that out. Um, but yeah, it's a nice bar right outside of the strip. So if you kind of want to get away from the touristy area and, and be able to enjoy a couple of drinks with a lot of Gamecock fans, that's the spot to be this weekend. Nick, always good having you on, buddy. Marcus was on with us earlier. He had a duck out, but uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We'll do it again next week. And hopefully, hopefully, the next time that we are talking, we're talking about a Gamecock team who is going bowling once more. Have yourself a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.